All right, so I, I want to start today with a little bit of a sermon illustration, okay? So co- come on out. Here's my best sermon illustration ever. All right? Can I ask you a few obvious questions with, with Vanna White here? Um, did I just date? Are you aware that you bring baggage to your Christian faith? Everybody nod your head yes. Okay? Every one of us. Is that getting heavy? Feeling feeling a little, right? Left arm is struggling, right? So that's a great illustration. Okay? You can set them down. You can leave them here. You can leave them right here on the the stage. Nope, you're good. You're you're all done. Okay? Yes. And, okay? That's like a silly, small illustration for your life. I don't know what your baggage is. I know what my baggage is. But every one of us, when we show up at church, we bring the way we were raised. We bring who we married and how they were raised. We bring the way our parents disciplined us. We bring what tradition of spirituality we were brought up in. We bring, you know... Uh, what happened to us this week, we bring, I mean, are you, are you tracking with me? Are you tracking with me? When you show up to church, you show up carrying a bunch of stuff. Now, if you're strapping like I am, they're not heavy. And uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. That's terrible. And, um, but one of the things that happens to us is as we go and we grab God's word, we, we see it through the lens of our baggage. The way that, you know, so, so the people that don't believe in Jesus will call it what? Brain washing, right? So people who, who think that you go to church just because your parents did, or people think that you go to church just because your spouse does, or what, whatever the case may be, uh, we, we might get accused of brainwashing. And in some ways, we bring that baggage. And we can't help it. We can't help it. We all bring it. Because your experience, or the sins of others, or whatever has happened to you, has colored your view of the Bible. And As we come to our text today, week one, we talked about the counterintuitive nature of the gospel, that God came for you instead of asking you to come to him. That is what separates Christianity from every other religion on the face of the planet. So we talked about that. Week two, we talked about your plans or his preeminence. Is he really king in your life? Because if he is, it's going to change the way that you do life. And then week three, last week, we talked about the focus of our faith. Is the point our performance for him or his performance for us? What is the focus, the center of activity and interest of our faith? And the obvious answer is that it's about him. And when we fix our eyes on Jesus, Hebrews tells us, we will start to get the results that we were looking for. And so that brings us all the way to our text today. If you've got a Bible, go to Colossians chapter 2. We're going to back up into verse 4 and then read through the end of the chapter by the end of this morning. 
but what I think is so great about studying through a book of the Bible is you're going to get the whole thought process of what Paul was trying to teach this young church like ours in this city. And what was he going after? What he, he was pushing them towards maturity, pushing them towards Christian maturity. What, what does that look like? What does that look like? And so he brings us to our text today and, it, and it's going to meet you right where you are. I'm absolutely convinced today because Paul, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, comes all the way into this letter and then he brings to our attention the fact that you and I have baggage. That you and I have baggage. And I, I want to show you what I mean here. Let's start in Colossians chapter 2, verses 4 through 7. Okay, here's, here's what scripture says. Paul says, I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in the body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Okay? In Christ. But what happens when we are in Christ? What starts to happen? Listen to what Paul says in verse 6. Okay, this church already needs a reminder. Verse 6. Therefore, as you received Christ, Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So, just to be clear, in Greek, just as means the same way you joined. So the same way you joined the team is the way you're supposed to play for the team. Am I making sense? Okay. So, and then continue in the Greek means to continue. Is anyone confused about that? Okay. The same way you join the team, you're supposed to continue playing for the team. There's some stuff I got to do. There's, there's some stuff I need to make happen. I mean, God's not going to be happy with me if I don't make some stuff happen. And we, 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 then we go get help or we go to a class or we go to you know, whatever it is or we get on a serving team. And, and we start to look to those things to satisfy what only God can satisfy. We start to think that we have to do stuff to earn God's approval. When in reality, if we would fix our eyes on Jesus and understand that we have God's approval and work from approval instead of for approval, we will experience the joy and peace that the Bible talks about. And Paul points that out here. He says we're to keep walking through life in the same way that we did when God reached out and rescued you. And turned you around towards him. It's really an incredible insight if you think it through. It really will change the way you think about that. And uh, why is he so dogmatic about that? Because he keeps bringing it up. And if you read your New Testament, it keeps being brought up. We tend to come to that place where we need help, receive that help, and then use it like a ladder to climb higher. As if there's some 
as if Jesus gets you in, but then there's this plateau that we can use the ladder of faith to climb above Jesus and find something greater above Jesus. And the problem becomes we start to think uh, we're either better than other people or always worse than other people. And, and we start to use that thing. And what Paul's reminding them here, and then he's going to teach them how to think it through, is that there is no place that you can climb that is higher than Jesus. There, there is no plateau above the place you started. The fact that God, in his mercy and grace, rescued you from your sin, from yourself, that's, that's the whole thing. And when you get into Christianity and when you begin to live out your faith, and by the way, there are some aspects of it. You know, Paul will say elsewhere, work out your faith with fear and trembling. Right? Like, what's the answer? Jesus, Jesus right? You're going to be right every time. Okay? So Paul's reminding that. And, and then he, he takes us into the way of wisdom and how you're going to think that through. He tells us to be careful or to see to it that a few things happen. So let's read 8 through 15 and, and look at what Paul is getting after here, okay? So verse 8, I circled those first three words in my Bible. Some of you, your translations are going to say, be careful. I circled that because now, now you have a responsibility, right? So there's a responsibility in which the way that you can walk the way you were found the way you were rescued, the way you continue in that is to do a few things. Here's what he says in verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in ever heard Jesus talked about short of God. Jesus is God. It's very important because of what we talked about in week two. He's either God or he's not. You're either wasting your time or you're not. We believe that he's King Jesus. And that's why. So verse 10, the beauty of that is you have been filled with him. Holy smokes. If I was preaching in a charismatic church, you'd be standing up, you'd be cheering. It's all right, I'm fine. You've been, think about that. You've been filled with Him who is the head of all rule and authority. Well, that puts some handles on Acts chapter 1, verse 8, doesn't it? When it says that the Holy Spirit will come on you with to be his witness. You've been filled with him who is the head of all rule and authority. You want to know why you don't have to worry about what the people at work think of you? Because you've been filled with the head of all rule and authority. You want to know why you don't have to be afraid that Satan is attacking you? Because you've been filled with the head of all rule. Tell me the Bible is not practical for your life. If you're with Christ, you have everything you need in Him. 
In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of flesh by the circumcision, circumcision of Christ. In other words, he's taken your sin and given you his righteousness. See, it's only half the, it's only half the battle if he forgives you for what you've done wrong. You still don't get into a relationship with God and you still don't get into heaven if you never do anything right. Because it's not just about having your debt paid off. It's about putting a deposit in the bank. And the problem is we can't make deposits in the bank. And what Paul's saying here is you have been filled with Christ and you have been clothed with Christ. So that when God the Father looks at you, he doesn't see you and your sin and your mess and your mire. He looks and he sees Jesus and his righteousness. And that is the way that you can live. Look at verse 12. Having been buried with him in baptism. You want to know why we make such a big deal about baptism and we will again? Because this right here, that you are saying to the world, you're showing, you're testifying before God's church that you have been buried with him in baptism, which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. So when you go into that water and you come out of that water, you know, I heard somebody say yesterday, and I thought it was really great that, you know, the reason we don't sprinkle is because the water represents God's grace and we want to go all the way in and we want to come out soaking wet in the grace of God. What an awesome picture. Powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. Verse 13. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. Listen to this. God made alive together with him. Having forgiven us all of our trespasses. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside. Nailing it to the cross. And here we go. Practicality. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. And we can pack them and go home. <laughs> you don't need anything else from me. Wow. What, what is Paul getting after for you? What, what is he getting after? He, he, gives you, he gives you two marching orders here. He says you have to see to it or be careful about a few things, about a few things that are, are, you know, when you think about the idea of seeing to something or being careful about something, when, when are you being careful when you're around danger, right? So there, Paul's saying there's a few things that are dangerous to your spiritual life. That these two areas can take down your faith. Now, we could, we could have a whole separate conversation about whether that's eternal or whether that's just in the moment. That's not what I, I'm not getting after that today. But what I'm talking about is in your life, Paul's saying, walk the way you were found. And to do that, you've got to be careful about two things. So number one, becoming captive to philosophy. A, that's an interesting statement, becoming captive to philosophy. The intellectual pursuit. Are you aware that you can become so smart that you're stupid? Have you ever met some of these people? Hopefully you're not looking at one. You know, like, let, let's just take a big one off the top. You know, when we look at something like abortion. I mean, you can become so smart 
that you are stupid. You know, Carla is pregnant as, I mean, if you can't figure that out, <laughs> you should probably get your eyes checked. Um, and she posted on Instagram the other day when their little boy in there was moving around and punching and kicking and like, you know, her belly's like going, <laughs> you know, and I remember when Camden was pregnant, like, she's like, put your hand right here, put your hand right here. And then you're like, and you're like, ah, you know, and so, and then there's all these studies about they can hear your voice and they can listen to you. And, you know, you can hear the heartbeat at like six weeks or, and, you know, you can become so smart that you're stupid that that would not be life. Really? Like, do we even have to go scientific on that? Like, the child is moving. Really? So educated, we're dumb. I think the same thing about, yeah, we're blowing stuff up on that point. I think the same thing about racism. Like, just the, the, the idea that one person is any better than another is just ludicrous. Just absolutely stupid. And I'm not being trite. And God will judge it. You know, that's our hope. That, that God's going to judge it. America's not the greatest place to be. We are slaughtering slaughtering millions of people. That's not okay. It's our genocide. And so, uh, you know, that's not the point of this text, but what I'm saying, what Paul's saying is, if you're not careful, you can worship the God of science and think that everything that comes down the scientific pipeline is true. I I just want to point out that for thousands of years, this has been true. Science has shifted. I mean, at one point we thought the world was flat. Duh. Okay? So the only thing that's ever held completely true is this. That's an amazing thing for thousands of years. So as the text says, things based in the elements of the world instead of Christ can be dangerous. Now, let me also say that this isn't just a science textbook. So science is useful. If you're a scientist, don't get mad at me. You'll send me an email, all right, bro? Okay, I like scientists. I love scientists. If you're a doctor, awesome. Because I would probably be dead already if you weren't. (laughs) You know, so, like, I'm not saying, what I'm saying is those are tools of the Lord. They are not the Lord. Does that make sense? So just... Thinking that through, Paul, Paul is saying, don't become captive to philosophy. I don't think what he's saying is never enter philosophy. There's some really brilliant Christians who I'm really grateful for. You know, I watched somebody like Ravi Zacharias, you know, speak to thousands of people at USF the other night. And it's just like, man, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, why can't I think of that all the time, right? And, you know, or you, you read a book by somebody like Tim Keller who's just... You know, waited till he was like 50 or something to write a book. And, you know, just like there's just wisdom there, you know, and, um, you know, the reason for God or or all these things. And so that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying don't we don't play in those arenas. But what I'm saying is we don't become captive to those arenas. Because none of those arenas 
are God's words. And we want God's word. So that was that one was an easy home run, right? Like we're we're not going to disagree on that one. This next one, you know, I haven't offended anybody yet uh, since we uh, started. I mean, I did I did early on, but it's been a while, so I feel like it's about time. And uh, so buckle up. And uh, what I want to do with point two is I want you to think biblically. I don't want you to bring, I don't want you to think through the lens of your baggage. I want you to think biblically. And I want to just walk you through an example of, of what I mean by that. And I'm going to purposely step on uh, a really uh, sensitive uh, churchy thing. Okay? And some of you won't care at all. And some of you this will be a stretch for. Okay? But getting there, number two is, is, is what Paul says is empty deceit and human tradition. Empty deceit and human tradition. That's number two. Because look, look where he says, he says, See to it or be careful that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition or the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. Okay? That last part is so critical. All right? But th- this, this is a maturity conversation okay so let's read verse 16 to 23 all right here's what paul says therefore let no one let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a sabbath these are a shadow of things to come But the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going up in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. That's us, church. Verse 20. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance, this is key, these indeed have an appearance of wisdom, have an appearance of wisdom in promoting, listen to this, self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, spiritual discipline. But listen to this, scandal here in the first century. But they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. That's powerful scripture. Very specific scripture. Okay? And what I want to do is I just want to take probably the biggest churchy example that I could possibly think of in alcohol. Okay? 
And I want to walk you through why we have to look at the Bible. Because some of you in here, you drink, no problem. Some of you struggle with that. And as your pastor and as Paul, where do we go to answer that question? Hopefully, you're saying the Bible, right? And so let, let, me, let me walk you through this. Let me walk you through why Paul says don't become captive to a philosophy or an empty deceit or a human religion, okay? And by the way, I'm going to pick on both sides of this issue, okay? So if, if I offend you at the beginning, just wait. I'm going to offend the other side coming on the backside, okay? So, but what I want to do is I, w- I want to show you three Bible verses, okay? Because what I want you to know is it's not as easy as saying free to do it or sin, Okay? I, want, I want you to read the Bible, not my thoughts, not your thoughts, not your baggage. You see, because some of you might have had an alcoholic father, or some of you might have had an alcoholic mother. And so something like that is so sensitive. And, and both sides of the issue, we, we have to recognize that. Okay, but when it comes to the things that perish, food, drink, what, is, what does God want from you? Okay, look at Psalm 104, verse 14 and 15. If you know me at all, intellectual honesty is a really big deal for me. Okay, that, that we don't pull stuff out of the Bible when we need it. Okay, so listen to this. Psalm 104, 14 and 15. You cause, God, you cause the grass to grow for the livestock. And plants for man to cultivate, that he may bring forth food from the earth, and wine to gladden the heart of man, and oil to make his face shine, and bread to strengthen man's heart. What to make the heart of man glad? No. Not God. Ecclesiastes 9, 7. Go, eat your bread with joy and drink your wine with a merry heart. Oh boy. For God has already approved what you do. Oh Lord, the Baptist in me is starting to sweat. Okay. Okay, but for those... Okay, now I'm going to offend the other side, right? So... There's a Bible verse for the other side, by the way. Look at Proverbs 20, verse 1. Wine is a mocker, strong drink a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. Rut row. <laughs> now what are we supposed to do? You ever heard anybody say there's contradictions in the Bible? They point to stuff like this. But... Is God confused? God's not confused. So what is he what is he trying to teach us? Depending on which human tradition you grew up will determine which of those verses you lean towards. The problem is both are God's word. Both are God's word. 
And what we're not after is a human tradition or a man-made religion. We want God to speak. We want God to speak. So what's Paul's, what's Paul getting at? It's not a license to do whatever you want. What Paul understands and what he hopes we will understand as a church and as Christians maturing in Christ is that the alcohol isn't the issue. What he's wanting us to do is that as we mature in Christ, as you get what this scripture says, get rooted in Christ, built up in Christ, the fruit of that building up in Christ is godliness, not worldliness. And so if you are a Christian and you can go to Psalm 104, 14 and 15 and have the wine that God gave you to gladden your heart in Christ and worshiping and in your family and go for it. But if you can't, don't. If my primary concern is Christ. I love that. I don't, I'm not going to put it on the screen, but at what we're going to talk about next week in chapter 3, I hate these chapter divisions. I hate them with a passion. You should go get one that doesn't have any. Okay? ESV reader set. Go invest in it. You need it. Okay? Because what he says next is so important. Because you hear that and you're like, yeah, yeah. I'm going to go drink. Woo! You know, like, that's not what he's saying. Because what does he say next? If then you have been raised with Christ... Seek the things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died. You died. And your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Glorious ruin. I'm dead. He's alive. And so as that's happening, as I'm being rooted and built up in Christ, those secondary issues just become a matter of wisdom. Where am I at? Who am I with? What am I doing? Why am I doing it? If you can receive those freedoms in Christ with joy and gladness in wisdom, then by all means, Paul says these are things that perish. But, but if, if you can't, then don't. Listen, if, if you have an addiction problem, it's, it's not time for you to, to mess with freedoms. We're pursuing Christ. Pursuing Christ. That's the goal. So if the conversation ends up always being about the thing, we're, we're backwards. We're backwards. We pursue Christ. So go, go back to what he started teaching at the beginning. We're not slaves to legalism or religion. We're also not slaves to licentiousness or just free willy, nilly, whatever. What we are is we're willing, joyful slaves of Christ. And friends, you can't climb any higher than Christ. You can't. You can't climb any higher than Christ. Jesus is the goal and everything else will follow. You see, it, it makes us nervous to talk about those things. And, I, and I, that makes me sad because if we can't talk about it in the church, where are we going to talk about it? And that's just one on the top. I mean, you start diving into like politics or, I mean, God forbid, 
you know, we, we start going down the trails of life. And, you know, Peter told us that this has everything for us pertaining to life and godliness. But there's some stuff in here that God doesn't say, thou shalt not. So what's God asking you? That as you pursue Christ, as you walk with Christ, as you get rooted and built up, as you uh, build your house on the rock instead of the shifting sand, that you would be wise unto salvation. Why does it say wise unto salvation? Because you're to walk as you got saved. What was the primary concern for you when you met Christ? Say it. Sunday school answer. Jesus, right? You were so taken off your feet by the fact that God loved you. When you met your spouse for the first time and you were smitten, we call it that you know, honeymoon period, you didn't do anything for him. Why does God say to walk in that? Because you are so enthralled in who they are that you wouldn't dream of doing something that would defame their name. You wouldn't dream of doing something that would hurt that person. So why can Paul say, let, don't worry about that. So don't let people judge you for that stuff because if you're so enthralled in Christ, you're going to make a wise choice. You're going to make a wise choice. Because promoting self-made religion or, you know, pursuing your own fleshly desires, that has no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. What has value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh? Jesus. <laughs> Jesus does. You want to stop looking at pornography? You want to stop uh, cheating on your taxes? You want to stop whatever your problem is? They're all, they're all sin. Whatever those problems are. You want to stop that? You need to get enthralled with Jesus. Because when you are enthralled with the one that you love and you're enthralled with the one who loves you, that's where you seek your satisfaction. That's where we find our satisfaction. Does that make sense? So what, whatever you decide on those big life issues, the, the goal for us is to be rooted in Christ, to be enthralled in Christ. Because the Bible says things about some of those sticky areas for both sides, what do you do then? <laughs> you walk in wisdom. You walk with Christ. And so um, we're going we're gonna to pick that back up next week when we go into chapter 3 and unpack that a little more and why it's not really that scary. Because God gave us his word. And it's perfect. And it's sufficient. And you can trust it. And so when he gives you these principles, we just get enthralled with Christ and, and we unpack that in our life. And uh, he, the Holy Spirit, will bless that. And it's much better than whatever your baggage brings to the table. Amen? All right. Love you. All right, let's pray. And then the band's going to come up.